Hi everyone, and thank you once again for pressing on for pressing play for On Rock a Petrospective. I'm Dave Hall. And this is Greg X Bowles. And that's right, everyone. We are absolutely blessed and, and excited to have the I was going to say the original lead singer of Petra, but that's not maybe quite correct, but certainly the the lead singer of of Petra from the early 80s that a lot of people remember in Greg X Vols to to join us today. Thank you, Greg, for taking the time to 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 spend some time with the listening audience. I'm glad to be with you. Uh, it's um you know, I, I use the term original singer, and I know, as I said, I know that's not quite accurate because uh, Petra uh, did exist before you initially uh, became a part of the band. But you, you are certainly the voice that a lot of people associate with the early, um, early times of Petra, the early albums, and um, and it's it's and then of course you, you've um, gotten back involved, and we've got the classic Petra, and we're going to talk a lot today about about your time and ministry, both with Petra, but also um, outside of Petra. And, and we really look forward to what you have to, to share with us. But I'd like to start, I, I, I've started each of our interviews with this question. I think it's the most important question of them all. Tell me about how you came to know the Lord. How did, how did Christ come to be that center of your life? That's an interesting question. Um, I, uh, I grew up uh, under the shadow of a uh, older brother who was a rock and roller in the 50s. Uh, in 56, my brother Ron, his first band called the Rock and R's, their first record was Gold. Wow. And they played Dick Clark, American Bandstand, if you even know what that is. Do you know, you ever heard of American Bandstand with Dick Clark? I, I have heard uh, of it. <laughs> okay. And then... He went on to uh, to join a group called the Swinging Lads, and they they played all the big rooms in Las Vegas for about seven years. And he knew everybody. And uh, it's interesting. As I was growing up, he bought me my first set of drums. Um, I was seven, and uh, set them up down in the basement, which was more like a cave, but still. And then. Uh, uh, I started uh, with a ukulele after that and then a tenor guitar. And I think I got my first real guitar when I was 13. And my older cousin, uh, first cousin, and I started a band called the Wombats, which is now, again, another band in England that came out a few years ago. They, a new band called the Wombats. This was, <laughs> this was in 1963, wow. the Wombats. And... Uh, I ended up, uh, we eventually got a drummer to work with us and a bass player. And here's the fun part. So when, when we needed the bass player, we went to our best friend, Tom, and we said, Tom, we want you to be the bass player for a band. He said, okay. So we went out and bought him a bass. He'd never played bass <laughs> before. That's the way it was. And of course, you know, music was less complicated then. But um, so uh, I signed my first recording contract in 1965 with, golden voice which is also the very same studio golden voice recording where petra recorded their first record wow and their second record which i was the the uh let's just say i was then inducted into the lead singer position for the band at that time that was 1976 uh 
what people don't know because it wasn't recorded maybe was that uh, from that day on, uh, from that time on, I was with the band on every concert that they played, 77, wow. 78, 79. We did a 30 day, 20 dates in 30 days in, in Arizona. And um, it, I mean, it was six of us. We traveled in a van uh, with a, anyway, the point is uh, I go back, I'll regress a little bit. So the studio Golden Voice uh, was a, was a, a forerunner in recording a man named Jerry Milam who built the studio from scratch, built the board from scratch, got all the best mics from Germany, blah, blah, blah. And as a result, uh, Petra, Dan Fogelberg, REO Speedwagon, Andre Crouch, da, 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 all began, people began to record there because it was one of the first multi-track studios. Mm. So the Wombats, recorded a lot of music there during our summers when we weren't in school. And then uh, in 1969, I joined a band called um, Gideon's Bible. It was a secular band. I was going to wow. Illinois State University at the time. And uh, it's this is all leading up to your question. Yep. Because I think it's important. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a family. I grew up, my mom raised us kids really time I was four uh, raised us kids and uh, loving family. I grew up Catholic and I went to parochial school. So I went to mass six days a week, <laughs> but I never, I never connected. I had a soft spot for Jesus, but I didn't know him. Mm. And I, 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 my family was a, a God fearing family, but um, I found out later that the Holy spirit wasn't Catholic. I'm just going to say that, <laughs> but, and I, I know a lot of spirit filled Catholics that are good Christians, but the, the point is I didn't have that kind of relationship. So when I got, when I left high school and went to college, I uh, became a pot smoking hippie. And uh, uh, this band asked me to join them. And it was because uh, it's like, well, this guy can sing Led Zeppelin. He can sing, you know, I mean, all the stuff. And that band um, went to Golden Voice, recorded a record, ended up number 14 on the charts. And we started getting opportunities to play. I say play on the same stage we opened for um, people like Janis Joplin, Chicago, uh, The Flock, Rotary Connection. We played concerts with B.B. King, festivals mm. that were with everybody, mm. small festivals back during the hippie days of Woodstock yep. small festival was 80,000 people. So, but anyway, so we had this thing going and uh, our manager uh, convinced, uh, tried to get us to move from Bloomington, normal Illinois to Indianapolis. And uh, the drummer, the guitar player and myself made the move. The bass player got drafted and the keyboard player, uh, decided he didn't want to move and he was a young he was young too and so we moved there and uh we were at that point kind of pretty much becoming vegetarians and uh studying uh, eastern philosophy under paramahansa yogananda now how good catholic boy goes there i wouldn't go there but the point was we were we we believed in love you know the the, the hippie movement was really about love and peace really was 
It's just that we didn't know that the author of peace was Jesus. So we reformed the band. I got the bass player from the Wombats to join Gideon's. Uh, a keyboard player that had been on the road with my brother in Las Vegas was moving back to Indianapolis. We talked him into parking his B3 and two 145 Leslie's in the living room. It's where our practice room was. We lived in a seven bedroom house. Wow. There were a dozen of us and we had all things in common. And uh, it was like, it was a new Testament church mm -hmm. without, it was community. It was a new Testament church without Jesus, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so one night, our drummer was down at somewhere down near um, Heron Art Institute in Indianapolis. And this he met this little German lady who spoke uh, very broken English. Her name was Elfrida. And she said, oh, well, I just want to invite you boys to come over for dinner. And uh, what we didn't know is that the Lord had spoken to her. <laughs> and uh, so we thought we looked in the cupboards, no food, starving musician syndrome. And so the whole band, actually the whole house, a dozen of us all went to have dinner. And it was a, it was a lovely time. And after dinner, we went to the living room. We're sitting on the floor and we're philosophizing about God and vegetables, you know, cause they went together in that deal. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and in walked this really old man, he was 55 years old and he was a friend of Alfreda's, but he didn't know what was going on. He was sitting as, as we know, we knew him later as brother Earl. And he explained it this way. He said, I was sitting at my kitchen table and the Lord said to me, spoke to me and said, go to Elfrida's. He thought, yeah, they were good friends. He walked in the door and hear all these hippies. I mean, you know, hair to hair, 10 inches of beard. Um, he walked in the door and hung up his coat and he just hollered across the room. Praise the Lord. It just stopped the atmosphere. Everything stopped. And it was like, uh, you know, in the 60s, the, the whole movement, it was all about vibes, vibrations. And you can feel it right now. There was a vibration. And I'm feeling that vibe after I said that, again, the same way I did when this guy said, praise the Lord. And it's like, he looked at us and he had our attention. And then he began to tell us about ourselves like Jesus and the woman at the well, yep. you know, Jesus said, I know who you are. You've been married five times. The man you're living with is not your husband, but he said, mm. come and drink of the living water. And as he spoke to us, we were drawn in. I was drawn into this peaceful presence. I'll call it. And then he got to this point and he said, he said, you've been looking for the way. And we thought, I thought yeah. And he said, Jesus is the way and it was like, bam. Uh, I explain it more like somebody shoved a knife up under my ribs, but it was a good feeling. But what was that? And then he said, you know, you know, you've been looking for the truth. And we said, yeah, he said, Jesus is the truth. Another bam. It was like, whoa. He said, Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And no man goes to the father except by him. And when he said those words, well, there went the guru, mm. you know. And he, John says in John, he said, anywhere in the way is a thief and a robber. So, I mean, so I, my mind is just exploding. And as he's speaking, the Lord manifests his presence in such a powerful way that every one of us just went face down on the floor. Wow. And I began to weep. 
Mm-hmm. I, I had no control. Yeah. I just began to uncontrollably weep. And I, and I, because I, res, I, I saw what he said and I could see that it was true. And I believe that because I received that word, the monkey started coming off my back. Mm-hmm. You know what that, you've heard that yeah. phrase. Yeah. And all, and after I'll say it this way, after a three hour carpet washing, every one of the band members and our people that live with us all dedicated their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. That's awesome. And it was, I, I, it was a supernatural experience. That's the best way I can tell you. And, uh, and then the, I mean, the hook was in, there was, there was no. And so we became a Jesus rock band. This was in 1970, that mm-hmm. band, we, ch- we changed the band. Well, we changed the name of the band because Gideon's international sent us a letter with 26 lawyers. <laughs> that said, If you keep using this name, we're going to take everything. <laughs> so, and, and we didn't spell it the way they spelled it. They didn't care. So we, 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 we asked the Lord, well, what, and the, we felt like, we would call this band E mm. and E was uh, fifth letter of the alphabet. Uh, it stood for at that point, everything we knew everlasting ecumenical Elijah, euphoric uh, empathy, ecstasy. I mean, it's everything that was good with band with E yeah. and there were five guys in the band, five letters of the alphabet. So we're still a little tripping, about <laughs> but so we, just began we threw everything away uh we were instantly delivered mm. from any substance abuse any i mean that I mean wow. it was gone wow not i mean it was gone it was like that's the best way i can say it yeah didn't have a need for it anything anymore except mm. filling my life and this man i get up from the floor after this several hours and I'm just, I've got snot coming out my nose. My eyes are puffy. And he looks at me and he holds his hand out and he says, uh, my name is brother Earl. I'm your brother in Christ. Now I thought, okay, man, that's great. So we play rock and roll. And he looked at me, I, I tell you, and I can see the twinkle in his eye. It was like, you know, Paul said in Thessalonians that we are changed in the twinkling of an eye. Mm. And I believe that many times that twinkling is a revelation. We get a rebel. When we get a revelation of truth, it changes us. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, he looked at me and he said, I said, we play rock and roll. And he looked at me and said, play Jesus rock. There was no such thing. Mm. So. He held up the Bible. He says, this is God's word. Read the book and do what it says. Whatever it says you can do, you can do. Whatever it says you can't do, you can't do. Read the book and do what it says. Best theology I ever heard. Absolutely. And so we just started de- delving in. And of course, we did add something like, you know, the normal Christian life by watch for mm-hmm. which will definitely wreck you. But um, uh, it's like... So anyway, that band just we, I think we probably baptized two thousand people the next year. And wow. We went out, set up, and played wherever we could, anywhere they would let us play, we would play, mm. and people would come to the Lord, and we would take them out and baptize them in, st- in creeks and ponds and bathtubs and whatever there was water. It's, it's and, that's um, fantastic. So, 
we had played uh, this place in Fort Wayne, Indiana, called the Adams Apple. It was a it was a um, uh, a coffee house in uh, in late '71, and in '72 we were supposed to go back, but Eban disbanded before we went back, and and the the the, the youth pastor John Lloyd says, "Well, Greg, I, I everybody wants they." If you have to bring an acoustic guitar and bring, come yourself, you're coming. I said, okay. <laughs> and so I said, uh, well, that's probably what it's going to be. So I get there. Now, this coffee house seated 300 people. And it was packed. And John came up to me at the beginning. He said, listen, hey, I got these guys that are going to the church Bible school. And uh, they're putting a band together. And uh, they're going to open for you tonight. This is their first first gig. I said, <laughs> well, what are they? What are they called? What's the name? He said, "Well, um, they think they're going to call themselves Petra." Wow. <laughs> so in 1972, Petra's first gig was my opening act. Wow. At the end of the concert, Bob and Greg come down afterwards and they they just said in there's like man you know yeah we're yeah i said what he said we we believe god told us you're supposed to be our lead singer <laughs> I, I said what really yeah i said well and i asked them why now don't ask me but i said well why why would you think that and they looked at each other like puzzled like we're really not lead singers <laughs> and I thought, oh okay so they gave me a tape and i said i'll pray about it and the Lord said, not now. Hmm. And then they were getting ready to go do their first album. The Lord said, not now. And they kept sending me tapes. And I was in communication with them. And then six weeks before I got the call from Petra to go work on what, uh, come and join us, their yeah. second album. I get a call from this Golden Voice Studios, same studio. Now, I, I mean, at this point. I had gotten married. I was raising children. I was a worship leader in a church uh, in Missouri. And uh, it was you know, a lot going on. So, and, and it was good. And so I get this call from Golden Voice. And the guy that was owned the studio at that point had bought it from Jerry Milam. And he was a friend. He was from Indiana. And he said, hey, Greg, I got these guys in the studio uh their lead singer just walked out they need a lead singer they want to know if you want to come and be the lead singer for the band i said well who is it they said ario speedwagon i said really I said yeah i said you know i knew those guys from back in the day when i was with gideon's and mm -hmm. they were a rival band and in champion urbana and we were in bloomington normal and and i mean i knew those guys and uh so when kevin cronin walked out they said well what are you going to do and uh, Terry Jameson said, well, what about Greg Volz? He said, oh, Greg Volz, yeah. Well, will he sing the material? I said, no, let's call him. 1.30 in the morning, I get a call. Back then, <laughs> it was the phone rings and you pick it up. Yeah. And I said, he said, this Terry, I said, what's going on? I said, hey. And he told me the deal. And I said, you know, guys, I, I, don't, I don't think I can sing the material. He said, oh, you know, we're, we're making 10000 a night. We're going to become famous. And I said, I... You know, I've been a Christian um, six years, 
walking with the Lord. And I just don't think I can uh, sing that material. Hmm. They said, okay. So uh, six weeks later, Petra is in the same studio. They're doing, come and join us. I get a call. Same one o'clock in the morning. (laughs) Their manager says, Greg, you've got to come, man. You've got to come. We can't do this. You've got to come. And I heard the Lord say, go do it. I got on a plane seven o'clock the next morning. And I went and I sang, I think for 15 hours. I drank about 10 bottles of Coca-Cola back then. I drank. (laughs) I don't anymore, but I, you know, and uh, I did all the backup vocals on six songs and the lead on Mm. two. And and then I said, well, God bless you. I got on a plane, went back home. (laughs) And then I started getting the calls. Hey, we're doing this gig in Chicago. We're going to fly in. Come on. So I started working with them in 1976. Wow. And the truth is I worked with them in every gig from then on. Mm. <laughs> contrary to what might have been written or what people can remember wow. so i really was a part of the band from 76, 76 on. on that's that's just it's amazing how god has just had his hand on so many different sections of of your early journey and brought it all sort of brought it all together because you, you've spoken about that holy spirit encounter um which which brought you to the lord and clearly God was working in the hearts of, of, of those of brother Earl and, and, and the, and the lady who invited you for dinner because he, he had a plan for you. And like, oh, they said, knew it. Yeah. And then, and then <clears throat> you've spoken about Petra opening for you in their first gig and God saying, it's not time now, but then, you know, we, we fast forward a couple of years and, and then it's time and, and God's just each step of the way, he was just laying out the, laying out the path and preparing you and obviously preparing Petra and preparing everyone for, for, for what he had you destined for. And, and that opportunity to, my next question was, my, my next question was going to be talking about how you became involved with Petra to start with. And you, you've already, you've already shared that. Um, and, and, and then obviously moving forward that, that, um, that becomes that tie in that, 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 that ministry of Petra is, is very much where you seem to be going. You shared that you were you were um, leading worship in a church. Did is that how you did you or I, I, I don't I'm not a singer. I'm, I'm I play guitar. I, my my wife's a worship leader and um and and she everything that she does when it comes to singing is is that heart of worship. She just sees it as worshiping. Is that how you approached singing with 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 when you first sort of both with the early band with with e-band and and with with starting out with petra Do, is that how you approach your the, the singing is it is it from that heart of i'm just doing this i'm just going to worship god in everything that i do it's an offering i i think you know our life is an offering you know we're not our own hmm. you know, we were bought with the price and uh there are many different styles of music and uh you know i i've been approached about a book and about different things to really tell the story. I mean, during the early Petra years, it was very hard. There was no circuit. Uh, We were banned by many churches. We were Mm. preached against by evangelists on television. We were going to hell in a handbasket because we played rock and roll. And that was the devil's music they said, but Mm. I, I found no place in the book where that the devil ever had the power to create anything. That's right. 
God has the power to create. So mm. he perverts what God's given us mm. to give back to him. So, I mean, that been, I mean, there, between 76 and 80, I think we went through 14 drummers. <laughs> At one time, I was the drummer. I was going to ask that because, yeah. um, because the, I mean, the, at one time I was the bass player at yeah. one time I played, one, I've, I've, I've seen played video, of, I've seen video of you. Um, I think it's, uh, around 1977. There's a, there's a online video from around the time of washes wider than where you're playing bass guitar while leading while doing lead vocals. And that's a hard one but, you know, and so anyway, we did, I believe that we did what we did because we loved, doing it and uh it has to do with that passion that god's puts in you i think that comes with the calling mm. the passion comes with the calling um i i've never really thought about yeah i have i said i you know i just i'm done with this you know but i could never quit i could mm. never quit because once you got past the part of being burned at the stake in effigy <laughs> <laughs> and and, and what people found out was we stayed with what we were comfortable with and what worked for, mm. for us and for the generation we were after. I didn't even mm. know what Southern gospel music was. I had no idea. I mean, you know, I grew up all my youth. It was Ave Maria or it was the Beatles, yeah. you know, uh, and the Beatles had a great influence on me. I mean, I mean, I saw them live in 1965. It was a pretty amazing in Chicago. It was, I've seen some very interesting, I've had some interesting experiences. But those early years, if we kept, and it was like, ah, you know, the band's not together. There's no band. Then I get a call, Bob says, hey, can you get a, can you get a drummer and a keyboard player? And I got these three dates and it's like, what? So we go do them. And it's like, well, I'll play bass and, you know, whatever. And mm. so we did it. But in 1980, uh, I was still uh, leading worship in Springfield. Um, and it was the same time that I, I got a call from Petra was on sabbatical yeah. during that time. Washes Wider Than had come about. Mm. And then it didn't do anything because uh, the distribution company that Starsong signed with was defunct so we had we had a, a why should the father bother was number 14 no records there were no records available uh -huh. and so the band just kind of went and eh. and uh phil kagey calls me who was a friend from back in the jesus movement early yeah. 70s and he called and said hey uh bernadette and i just moved to kansas city from new york where are you i said i'm in springfield he said missouri he said yeah he said well can can we come down this weekend? I said, come on. And what he came down, spent the weekend. He wanted to tell me, I want to put together another band. He said, I said, well, I've got a bass player and a drummer that I've been getting ready to put into Petra, but they, they never made it. They were called uh, the edge at that time. And then later became Kings X. Okay. Okay. And so Doug and Jerry being close friends of mine. So at the same time, I went on the road with Phil for about seven months as a guitar player, uh, vocalist, percussion. And then, you know, it's like, okay, uh, we're going to do something with Petra. And Bob tells me that he'd been having a Bible study with uh, a drummer and a keyboard player and a bass player. 
And I said, really? He said, and Greg, these guys can actually play. I thought, well, <laughs> so now here's something that I have to interject here because when I first started working with Petra, I paid all my own bills, all my own travel, all my own everything. We didn't make money. And the reason I, I was able to do that was because my pastor sponsored me as a missionary Wow! to the United States. And when I, he told me straight up, he was like JT Adams and the men from Texas, you know, old Southern gospel stuff. And he said, Greg, I don't really care for this music, but I see what God's doing with it. And I, I want to right. claim some of those souls. So I'm going to support you and I'm going to make sure that your rent's paid and there's food on your table. And I said, wow. okay. And so it took a man with a vision mm. that enabled me. And I, I call those uh, oh, there's a word for it. God is raising up paymasters mm. to fund the kingdom of God for ministries. Yeah. And uh, there were a few back then, but very few people would. I mean, what preacher, what pastor is going to put money into something that he doesn't even like, mm. except he knew what the Lord's going to do with it. So we uh, we continued on. John Slick, the keyboard player, Mark Kelly. At that time, it was Jeff Boggs, but Jeff played for the symphony. And then there was this in 1980, we we're playing Detroit. And uh, I get a call and he, Jeff says, I, I said, I can't do this. I have three concerts with the symphony and just one with Petra and I have to pay my rent. He said, but I got a friend. And he said, his name's Louis Weaver. Mm. And he said he'd do it. And Louis came in and played the concert cold. Wow. Without a rehearsal. Yeah. <laughs> You know, there was a few. I stop. Okay, <laughs> there's a few of those. And uh, at the end of the concert, I just said, Bob said, "That's the guy." So he went to his hotel room and said, "Do you want to be the drummer for Petra?" And he said, "Well, you don't know this, but about five years ago, the Lord told me you're going to be the drummer for Petra." Oh, I've, and I've heard, just been waiting. I've heard. Yeah. I've heard his testimony on on a. I've I've heard a podcast uh, interview where he shared that that story yeah. himself so it's just a, it's just amazing that you know god's just had his so, hand on so much stuff there and i i'm i'm blown away it, it, i was gonna ask and you you've really touched on it like uh you shared and when we interviewed bob he was saying the same thing a lot of the opposition that was coming from churches and yet i was gonna ask how did your home church how did they respond to that and you've just shared that your your pastor while he might not have it might not have been his music and, and wasn't his kind of, cup of tea. And yet he still saw what God was doing. And he personally, he, he arranged for you to, to receive financial support so that you could do this ministry. I just think that's, that's such an amazing, that's such a, a great insight to the kingdom that, that he was able to, to allow you to create the environment, to allow you to, to start to step out in that way. And in the early in the early time, you know, there wasn't a lot of dates. There was just a, a pocket here, a weekend there, a weekend there. Mm -hmm. But when so anyway, so uh, how do I say this? Um, Bob went through a tough time and uh, ended up alone. Uh, and he was in Nashville and I would make trips. I would fly to Nashville from Springfield and help him put together recordings he had a four track yeah 
yeah, four tracks. <laughs> he said, Greg, could you, could you sing on these? I said, sure. So I don't know, maybe it was one of the second, maybe the second trip. And he was living in an apartment. He was working mm-hmm. in a parts house, pulling pistons, you know, $2 and 30 cents an hour. I mean, for real. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we were all working. We, we, we mm-hmm. were just making it, but our passion was playing. So one of the trips I made, he had this song called Never Say Die. And it was like, wow, this is really good. And there was another one. I can't remember what it was. And so I had him, we mixed it. We made a copy of it, a demo. Mm. And uh, I took it home with me. And I took the coloring song, which was a song from E-Band in 1971. Oh, wow. And I put the coloring song with Never Say Die and one other song, and I sent the tape to Star Song. And it was just, I felt like they needed to know. And, and nope, the band didn't have a contract. There was no band. And uh, I get a call from Daryl Harris, and he says, Greg, yeah, I got the tape. And I quote, I got the tape. Yeah. This is God. We need to get in the studio right now. And I said, we don't even have a contract. We don't even have a band. He said, I don't care. We're going to get in the studio right now. And pull together Jonathan David Brown to produce it. And Mark and John Slick and uh, Keith Edwards played drums at the time for the session. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a producer's call. That's another story. But and we uh, put out Never Say Die, and we signed a contract with them, which was awful for us, great <laughs> for them. You know, we were in it for the ministry. They were in it yeah. for a number of reasons. And um, how do I say this? Um, the coloring song got released. Uh, Star Song had Benson, the Benson Company, as their distributor, a real distributor company they put the coloring song out it went to number one on every single chart Mm. including southern gospel adult contemporary and inspirational Mm. seven weeks stayed right up there petra becomes a 10-year overnight success (laughs) you get that point yeah (laughs) so um uh here's a band has the number one song on the charts for weeks and we have no gigs. Mm. We have no concerts. But what do you do? You pray. Lord, uh, we need some concerts. Lo and behold, a week later, I get a call from a Jesus people guy, Jim Polisari, who was the head of the Milwaukee Jesus people. There were probably about 100 of them that lived together in communally in Milwaukee. Yeah. And uh, uh, I had met him during Eban days. He knew him and he he said uh he said I'm I'm managing this band called Servant. We're a we're a Christian uh I don't know, like uh I want to say show band because it was all about they had 26 rear projectors, they had all the, I mean it was a show, yeah. right? And uh, they were on a, going on a world tour and they had a group that was supposed to open one of them called Barnabas and three of Barnabas's wives were going to deliver during the tour and they said, we can't do it. And he said, I asked the Lord, well, who do I call? He said, call Petra. So he called me. So in a matter of just 
weeks. We ended up, our first leg was three months solid, five days a week. And they came out of the woodwork. Mm. And that's all I'm going to tell you. And it just went, we were in army fatigues. I think I still Mm. had some beard. And and, uh, I don't know, you know, they started, they just, they get, we were, we were just reeling in the sheep. You know, God was just Mm. adding to the numbers daily. And uh, all of a sudden the, the album just went through the roof and, uh, then we did more power to you, which was an interesting mm-hmm. scenario. And I don't mean this wrong, but Star Song really was a shoestring operation. Mm-hmm. They had two people that worked for the company, and they would they would uh, subcontract to Word or to Benson to get dis- distribution. So they did, you know, like I, the budget for Never Say Die was eleven thousand five hundred dollars, and this is this is two inch tape. Yeah. I mean, so they had a warehouse, they had a, a cheesy studio, but that's where we went. And Jonathan David Brown worked magic with it. Yeah. And then they ran into this guy who owned a recording studio outside of Uvalde, Texas, called Indian Creek Recording. The guy that built the uh, the uh, Kinks studio in London hmm. built that studio. It was stone, rock. It was absolutely gorgeous on 50,000 acre ranch. The problem is when it rained, it washed out the roads and the trucks couldn't get in. <laughs> so they got this studio, brought the equipment in, and we spent three weeks. And that budget, I think, was $14,500 for more yeah. part to you, yeah. which was our first that first one that reached gold. Yeah. You know, I mean, they all they all just mm. did. But the problem yeah. was we never got paid. Can I say that and be fair, Lord? Yeah. Never got paid. Never sent us royalties. Mm. and then it wasn't until 84 that we finally got our first check because someone else got into the company and said hey you gotta pay these guys and the first quarter check was two hundred and eighty-five thousand dollars, and i went what is this i mean i we've been working 300 dollars a week that Mm. was our salary that's what we worked on you know and when you got four kids that ain't that didn't go very far so but anyway uh then everything just went through the roof. You know, it's like, yeah. hey, this this band can do whatever they want. And so, you know, I'll just spend the money. So I don't know. Beat the system was like a hundred and forty-five thousand dollar budget, you know. Wow. Hmm. And it was a good record. And uh average attendance during that tour was seven thousand five hundred people. That's average. That's including yeah. why not and uh Utah and a little hmm. dunk, you know, whatever places. But hmm. uh and we saw, I mean, tens of thousands of people come to the Lord. I mean, that's, so, that's and the key. By then, we had a really good follow-up program. By then, the churches decided they would, they, it was God, and mm. they could double their youth group overnight. Because, <laughs> you know, you've got 150, 200 people a night mm. come to the Lord. And somebody's got to, you know, we asked them for 30 days, you know, call mm. this person every day for 30 days you know and i've had some interesting you know experiences with a man that walks up and says hi i'm pastor so-and-so you led me to the lord in 1982 in the saginaw michigan and i have a i'm pastoring 800 people today wow i thought see now that's god that is you don't. we don't know 
what really God does beyond what we can do. I mean, we do what we know to do and we do the best we can. And, and sometimes we screw it up. Somehow God imagines a magic eraser and he fixes stuff. And, and you know, anyway, God is good. So, mm. I mean, at this point, what do you do? Yeah. So when, um, yeah, it's, it is, it's amazing. The, the, the stories and, and even, um, with our podcast, we've been getting uh, we've been getting little testimonies. People have, have sent us messages saying, "Yeah, I was at this particular concert in whatever year, and and that was where sort of I felt that's where I gave my life to the Lord." So, so that impact that you're talking about, I mean, that's that's yeah. always been the key. Of when we spoke to Bob and and hearing your heart as well, that it's always been the key. It's not about performing music; it's about letting people hear the message of Christ and, and allowing right. them to respond to that. And that's, that's why I like to, I, I like to talk about what you guys have done as a ministry, because that is exactly what, what it is. It's a reach, uh, an outreach to people to, to minister yeah. to their spirits and, 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 and hear the, hear the message of Christ. So the, the just, songs yeah. alone are packed mm. with the gospel. Absolutely. I mean, they're just scripture, 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 mm. but we also like to give invitations and let people mm. respond, yeah. you know, and that's the Holy Spirit's work. Yeah. You know, he yeah. dances on their cranium. They respond. Absolutely. We sing and worship God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you've obviously spoken about, um, you were just been talking about sort of how, how things started to change and, and going on tour and, and, and these tours are a bit longer. And I don't know if you are aware of this. You may very well be. There is, um, there is a YouTube clip from what I believe is um, a concert of the Never Say Die tour. Um, there is, there's, it's about 15 minutes long and it's, it's, um, a, a series, it's essentially one of the medleys and, and Bob spoke about how doing the medleys was a way to incorporate some of the older songs that, that people remember and people like into the concerts while still doing the new stuff. And, and in this, in this medley, in this clip, it goes into essentially a little bit of a battle between Bob and uh, yourself. Yes. And yeah. uh, Bob, Bob playing certain notes and, and you vocally replying and, and, and doing it. It's a really amazing clip, but it looks like you guys were having a ton of fun at the same time. Well, it was off the cuff, as they say. Wow. It was, it was, it was, uh, we just spontaneously just, you know, did stuff. And then it, it, it was like, well, that really worked. So, and, and but I never knew what he was going to play. He never knew <laughs> what I was going to sing. And then uh, I know what you're talking about. We people would roll and they would laugh and just yeah. they were crying, laughing. It was it was so funny. But then, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah let me see what I got here. Uh, because the, the truth is, once you just let them know, um, it's good to 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 uh, walk with God. It's joyous to walk with God. Sure, you're going to have trouble. Jesus told us that are off the bat. Mm. You know, I, I wouldn't really happy that I read that. Yeah, you're going to have trouble. What? You live in the world, you're going to have trouble. Oh, gosh, thanks. You know, but uh, the point is, is that when the seed is planted in there, nothing can kill it. Mm. I, I, I don't believe it. It will always fight its way through. Yeah, people suffer loss. Sometimes people backslide and go through hard times, but eventually that seed is going to bring forth what was intended. And you have to trust God to do that. Not my job. Hmm. My job is to, 
is to ask the Lord, hey, what are we doing? To, you know, Lord, what are we doing today? And I get, I hear a little voice say, we're vacuuming the house today. <laughs> oh, praise Jesus. I'm really excited about that. Uh... <laughs> yeah, right now, there are tornado <laughs> warnings going off all oh, around wow. us. My the goodness. sirens are going off. So if you hear a siren, it's because, you know, it's a white tornado. Gee, but, you know, wow. I, I'll tell you that this is how good God is. You know, they'll, they'll be coming up that you look at on radar. It's like, oh, my gosh, we're going to get killed. Then it goes whoop, right around us. And it's yeah. like the Lord does that to us all the time. Because oh, I, I think, you know, we, I know exactly we still have work saying. to do. Yeah, we still have work to do. I know exactly what you're saying. I was um, I used to be involved in a church, um, a previous church that I was involved with. My wife and I were in we're in the worship team there, and our church did a Christmas event, um, an outdoor Christmas event every year, a carols like Christmas carols and and an outreach and and bringing the message to yeah. the local community. And we do it at this park. And I remember this one year, it was raining. It was forecast for rain and we were praying and we were preparing and praying and we've gone down to the park and we're setting up on the stage and I could, I, I, I kid you not, I'm, I'm watching the clouds approach where we are playing and watching the clouds part around the, the ground, the outside oval that we were playing this, this yeah. event at. And it was just that, that amazing. Experience. I, I, know I, I pray that God does that for us right now. Here oh. in Frisco, Texas. Absolutely. It's, it, it's blowing, but okay. you know, uh, we've been through so many things. I tell you, you talk about that story. I, and this has happened more than once with Petra where, uh, it, it was, I remember this one festival called Ichthus. Uh, it was, uh, they called it the mud fest. It rained the whole time. There probably weren't more than 10,000 people there, but still it was a good, you know, Petra gets up, blah, blah, blah. We start the song. The rain stops, clouds split, sun comes out for the whole set. We Amen. finish, closes back up, starts raining. <laughs> Happened in Norway back in a few years ago, too. Yeah. And it was like, nobody's going to be here. We walk up there and there's 8,000 people with raincoats and umbrellas. Yeah. And it splits. Just It just stops and the sun comes right out. And and I was like, this this is too cool. This is but, awesome. You know, mm. That's what God does sometimes just to mess with us. I think, yeah. you know, it's like, now let me show you what I can do. What? Yeah. <laughs> you, um, you spoke about uh, obviously the, the, the change as, as never say die became um, as, as the coloring song became um, a, a well-known song. And, and obviously the, the on flow you shared about sort of going on tour and, and never say die and more power to you, that sort of time period, the, there was definitely an increase in touring and events how did how did you stay grounded with God? Because that's a that's a massive change of lifestyle to be touring more and, and, and on the road a lot more. How did you keep your personal journey with God grounded during that time? And 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 I guess tied in with that is the 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 added uh, it's not pressure, but the benefit like you obviously being received by a lot of people who are enjoying the music and, and responding. So it, it can be very easy to sort of go, wow, this is awesome. How great is that? How, how did you keep yourself grounded in that time with your faith and walking with God to not let that change who you were and change the, the focus of this is the ministry. This is not about us. Well, I've learned some things. 
1982, the band was on the road for 300 days. Oh, my goodness. Six of us in, in a 15-foot panel truck. I mean, it was... Uh, and uh, then in 83, 275 days. In 1984, 280 days. And uh, I, the truth is, it really began wearing on on my family mm. and on the, the family unit. And I mean, but as far as uh, band members, we would have Bible studies every day mm. as a band. And I think that that helped us keep the focus. And I, I learned a long time ago that the old food of thought was, you know, ministry, ministry. No, no, no. You, I mean, I, I stepped out of Petra because my family was falling apart and there was no way to fix it if I stayed with the band. So, but I had a friend that I had introduced to the band in 1982 and his name was John Slit. Mm. And I introduced John to the band and uh, we were friends. And so when the time came for me to leave, it was a pretty, uh, you know, the, it fit the decision to have him come in. He, I mean, I know that he, he struggled in the beginning because he said one time he said, Greg, you don't understand, man. He said, when I joined the band, he said, the first concert, it was the first time I ever did a concert sober in five years or something. Mm -hmm. It's like, he said, I would, I was in the bathroom throwing up before the concerts because I, I was so nervous. I thought, I get it. But um, do, you know so where, anyway, do you know where that first concert was? It was in Australia. It was. And I'll tell you absolutely. why. I was supposed to be. I was supposed to be on that tour. Yep. And I was. I was uh, promoted as the lead singer for that tour. Mm -hmm. And uh, then, uh, for whatever reason, I didn't make it on that tour. I, I don't know. I. I can't tell you. You know, it's like, well, she leaves. Blah blah blah. It's like, you know what? Just we got a guy. Do it. But they should have told the promoters that, that I wasn't on mm. in there. And John, John, John Lowry said, "Oh God, he blew his voice the first night out, and the tour was awful." So I think, <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, and then I look at guys and I say, "So you want to be in a rock band?" <laughs> <laughs> it's just not, you know, the mm. the perform the 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 concert. Oh, that's the best part. What about all the practice, all mm. the this, all the that? So uh, I took a year sabbatical. I mean, and every time the, the church, sir, I was there on Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and I was, I got healed up mm. and uh, it was like word came to me and said, Hey, we want, you know, we want to do a record. And I had all the material. I had been uh, working with my friend, Mike Schmitz for all the time off between dates. I would go back to Springfield and, and I would, uh, I bought him some equipment and he started writing, helped him write. He started writing all these great songs. Mm. And it's like, I had all the material. So I didn't know what it was going to do. And uh, one by one, each one of those band members that I worked with from the rivers rising, I see it back there. On yep. the, the Lord brought them to my front door, literally mm. to my front door and said, I'm supposed to be your bass player or Joe English from, came he was driving through town he had his own band you know who joe english is i've heard of him okay he was paul mccartney's drummer from Wings. that's right yep all right so joe 
when he became a Christian, signed a deal and did two or three records. And he was a lead singer from the drummer. Good singer. Excellent drummer. And uh, he was driving through Nashville on his way back to Macon, Georgia. And he said, his, as he says, I'm driving and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit fills the van to where I can't drive. I'm weeping. I'm crying. I can't see the road. I pull over and I say, God, what is it? He said, go to Greg Bowles's. <laughs> and he walked up and here's a guy crying. And he says, he said, God told me I'm supposed to be your drummer. I said, Joe, you have a band. He says, I know, but God told me I'm supposed to be your drummer. And he moved in with me. I took wow. him in for about three months. Wow. And, uh, and, uh, <laughs> even Kirk Henderson, the guitar player, who was my yep. uh, guitar player in uh, River, yep. you know, he was a shoe salesman in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and Jonathan Brown, Brown front door, he was 20, I think, said, here's your guitar player. So mm. moved him in. Mm. I moved him in. Anyway, that's another story. That's yeah. going past where we were going yeah. with Petra. We'll, but... and we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to that shortly. Yeah, um, yeah. You spoke about you spoke about the the these these concerts. Obviously, um, the con uh, the beat the system tour leads into uh, what ends up being your last uh, album with Petra at that time before you left, which is yeah. the captured in time and space, the live experience. And um, I, I guess you know, hearing getting to hear that live experience was was great for someone like me down in Australia, which. We didn't get many tours, and um, at my at the time when I um, was was getting to know the band, that was that was a great opportunity to 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 hear that experience. But I'm just wondering if you've got a couple of stories from from that that, that sort of the, that that those touring times, you know, any, any sort of fun stories that you can remember of sort of things that stand out about doing that sort of that beat the seal, any even in that anywhere that time period of sort of nervous I die through to beat the system. Any sort of really cool memories of the touring life with, with with the band apart from being in the small truck that's a bit probably not big enough for everyone and and all that is 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 and, and, the, no, and there's mm. there's stories yeah some of them aren't worth telling but i mean <laughs> you know we would when we would uh get up in the morning when you have breakfast we had in the early days we had a five dollar day per diem for food that's what our so yeah that, that doesn't even buy a so, cup of coffee and, these oh, days. Oh, yeah. You're, you guys are doing this for the money? Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, no, we weren't. And so sometimes uh, we'd get up and we'd go sit. And the guys are all sitting around the t- breakfast. They have uh, uh, Denny's had a big breakfast for a buck ninety nine. It was great. Mm. Anyway, so we, you could usually, we could usually get two meals a day out of it. Maybe a burger and fries on the next one, but still. You're young. You can eat anything. Your body will do it. When you get old, you can't do that. <laughs> I know. Doesn't like it. And uh, so we're sitting at this restaurant, and uh, we're getting ordered breakfast. And I said, oh, blah blah blah. And I said, well, I said, I think I'll have that. Blah blah blah. And the third guy says, and uh, the fourth guy says, uh, you know, I think I have this. And then the next guy before him says, you know what? I think I'm gonna change mine to that too. And then the guy before him says, you know, I think I want to have that one too. And then and then the waitress just says, okay, that's not, that's it. No more changes. She <laughs> couldn't take it. Everybody was all changing their orders. Then one time we pulled in to a gas station. Was a big. It was a big green, uh, big green truck, uh, a fifteen foot bed, van nose, I built a wall six feet back. It had a horseshoe. It had two little bunks that folded down. Still, it's tight. No windows. 
pull in and this guy comes out of the gas station. He's got, he's obviously he's on tripping or something. He says, oh man, cool. Hey, you want to want to start a band? Oh, you could put guns up on there, man. It's like weird, weird stuff. <coughs> and, you know, sometimes they would, un, you know, be, before we had barriers in front of the stage, the people were, came right up, you know, they could, they could reach, they would untie your shoes. They, <laughs> sometimes they, if you reached out to handle, they would pull you off the stage and pass you around and then put you back up. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, my favorite one was in Little Rock. We we're playing the Civic Auditorium and it was a, had an orchestra pit. It was a, you know, a symphonic orchestra. There was lowered down eight feet below. And uh, sometimes the, the orchestra pits were up in this auditorium. Sometimes they were done. We didn't know. <coughs> Pardon me. And so this night the pit was down and the, the foul spots in your eyes and, and we're playing and all of a sudden, okay, no bass, no bass guitar. I'm looking around. Mark Kelly's down in the pit going. <laughs> He'd fallen into the pit. And so I reached down and pull him back up onto the stage and just keep playing. Wow. <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, aye, aye, aye. Um, now, yeah. I'll give you one more. Okay. In 1985, uh, we had a, a publicist company in Los Angeles that uh, the Brokaw company, and they, they were really good. And for whatever reason, uh, they decided they were going to work with us and help us and, and didn't charge us a lot of money. I don't know, whatever, but they were, they got us entertainment tonight. They get us on the Easter Seals, Telegon. They, you know, we, they got us to present categories on the Grammys in 1985. Mm. So the day before the Grammys, you do a complete rehearsal. Everything is totally rehearsed. And, you know, you're meeting all kinds of people and this and that. And, uh, and you're shaking hands with Stevie Wonder and Dan Warwick and Michael Jackson and so and so. They're sitting on the front row staring at you like, who is this? Who's this guy in that monkey suit? You know, but uh, I handed Amy Grant her first Grammy that year. Uh, but um, so we're, we did really good. They printed out what you're supposed to say. And then the night of the, the live performance, they have cue cards that are. 6,000 seat auditorium, way back there, but big two cards. And right before you walk out, the producer says, man, you guys did really good. This is going to be easy. There will be 160 million people watching this show. And I had no spit, oh. no spit, none. And we walk out there, it was like the Christian gong show. I don't even know <laughs> what the gong show was, but, and, 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 they change the words. You memorize the script, and then you say, "You know, I, we, you don't wonder why these people are like. What are you ignorant? Mm. Uh, but because they change the cue cards to mess with you. Yeah. So you memorize what you're supposed to say, and then the <laughs> cue cards are different, and you don't know what a hockey or go blind. You don't know what to do. Mm. So, uh, but thank God we got through that one. But uh, <laughs> that's fun. That's good. Um, yeah. Captured in Time and Space, uh, one of the unique aspects of that album uh, is the performance of The Great I Am. Uh, it, it's, it's 
uh, essentially done and ad. I don't know if the ad lib is maybe not the right word, but but it, it was a, a song that had never been performed anywhere, never written. Um, the 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 stories that I've read and heard is that is the only time that that song was ever done was at that recording. And I, I just wonder if you might share a little bit about how that came about because. I mean, a lot of that would have rested on on your shoulders while the band are playing the music. That the words that were coming out, this was this you was know, your heart. You know, they came, some of them came out a little late. You know what's that? Because <laughs> I was waiting for them. Like, <laughs> well, it started the night before. I think when John was when I'm when I'm ministering, John's playing, and I'm hearing this little thing, and and I'm thinking oh, this is kind of cool and whatever. And then um, that last that second night in Greenville, uh, it was like, it, it just, I don't know, it flowed in. John started playing. I started, I looked at Bob and I, I just, you know, I just said play. And, uh, the guys just fell in mm. and, uh, the words and the lyrics and the melody just came out prophetically mm. at that time on, you know, it was a download. Yeah. And, uh, it was really good. And then we went right into it is finished. And I don't know, just, I mean, yeah. it was, it was way beyond what we could figure it out. Yeah. When you're in a flow like that, the Holy spirit just, it's like, you know, he just mm. does it. And if you're not afraid and are willing to just open your mouth, I mean, it's kind of scary to start singing a song you've never sang before. Yeah. Cause what are the words? I don't know. I've never sung them before. Hmm. And it was just, it just flowed out. And I, I said, and of course, everybody went, what was that? I said, I don't know. Thank you for playing. <laughs> Thank you for playing. Uh, and, and it was it's amazing you, you, you can hear you, you really get the sense that god is in that moment and and, it, and it's obviously i mean i wasn't there but but seeing and hearing the recording seeing the video it's obviously it, it's 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 tied in with the ministry time that, that you you've you've called people to to respond so god is moving in in that in that venue it was at a the good time, flow. and it was just really a good, real, real good thing you are I guess when it comes to Petra fans and and their memories of you, the song that you are probably best remembered for is Grave Robber and and your Ooh. performance of Grave Robber. I, I, I was just wondering you, you, your, uh, your your memories of that song, how you know, how how does that, you know how well, how is it, that to sing it, for you? I, I think I'll just say this, that song has a very high VHF factor. That's vertical hair follicles. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, the uh, the change, the what what people call death, which is just the transforming to different form. You know, we're life is eternal. Mm. God made it that way. Uh, you know, when we when we pass on into uh, and become a light body or whatever you want to say and can have no restrictions, no pain, no suffering, but still it'll be you. And I think people think about that stuff. And I think they were so comforted by those words and it was scripture. Come on. Yeah. You know, it's what we were. 
And if you believe that, then you will see that. Hmm. You know, the old saying in the old days was, oh, seeing's believing. Lord said, no, hmm. believing is seeing. Yeah. And I, I think that we forget that sometimes because we're bam bombarded with all this distractions and disinformation and we don't know what to believe is true anymore except you have to sift everything through the holy spirit in you mm. and the lord has to tell you this is wrong mm. this is right you have to and then of course if you uh if you have a uh i'll just say a a, a group of people that you're in covenant with where you're 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 you know your bros, you know, and uh, then you just, it becomes a, a witness and you know, they can, they'll witness what it is. If you've got a question, um, scripture says that in the multitude of counsel, there is wisdom. So if you've got a counsel, people that you trust, people that are godly, you know, hear the Lord. And, you know, I know that this, this wouldn't be your mainstream churches, but when I say hear the Lord, I mean, it's a spiritual thing. You, Absolutely. God speaks to his people. And one time I was saying about, you know, the Lord and, and somebody said, well, what does God's voice sound like? And I said, well, you know, your mother's voice, right? When you hear it, when you're in the next room, you don't even have to see her. When you hear your mom's voice, you know, that's your mom. Well, God has a sound. And when he speaks to you, you know, it's yeah, him. Absolutely. It's mm. that's, that's the easiest I can put it, you know? And, uh, mm. and if, if, if your mother used your middle name, you knew you were in trouble. So, uh, <laughs> that's right. Uh, so anyway, God is good. He's merciful. And, mm. you know, he, he never said it would be easy. This is the part of it. Mm. Uh, Petra started, it'll be 50 years ago this fall, mm. 50 years. Yeah. And there's been different forms and different members and, but, uh, but our, our belief is, is that if we stay true to the call that God's given us, the calling, then he does, he'll do what he said he would do. He will bring people, he will do what he does. Now, 12 years ago, when classic Petra got reunited with, uh, uh, Bob and Mark and John and Louie and I, it was a, a series of things that was unmistakably miraculous, 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 miraculous. There's no way, you know, that it wasn't the Lord. And uh, so we just thought, well, let's just go see what happens. And for about two years, we went out and then uh, everything got shut down. I'll just say it that way. It got shut down. And uh, I said, well, Lord, this is your ministry. It's not mine. So I, I still think there's more to do, but you know what? Um, the Lord said to me a long time ago when I was complaining, <clears throat> I heard him say this. And it was like another voice. It wasn't him saying it. It was somebody else. It was like talking for him saying, you know, it's hard to rush someone who's been around as long as God. <laughs> And so it's like, golly, how many more years? So anyway, everything was just put on hold. And then uh, in 
2017, uh, I was in Nashville singing on Carmen's last record. I was asked to yeah. come in and do a oh, duet, wow. and another thing. And and the guy that was pushing it says, Greg, I, I don't go go have dinner. I can't tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow. So I called my friend John Lowry, who was in Franklin there, mm. said, Johnny, Pam and I are in uh, Nashville. He said, well, I don't have a session until five. Come on. So we went over and I said, Louie and I have been talking and we believe that we're going to do another record. And he said, well, I, I want to do it with you. I said, okay. Uh, Bob and Mark did not want to be a part of this second branding mm -hmm. of, C of CPR, Classic Petro Resurrection. Yeah. They, they chose not to do to be a part of it. And so it was like, well, we're gonna, who are we going to get? And it's like, well, there were, there was uh, Ronnie Cates. There was mm. Greg Bailey. These are bass players that yep. were Petra, you know, 20 year people. Yeah. And the guitar player, I didn't know who the guitar player was going to be. And I said, well, you know, like everything, let's just pray about it. And of course we need money. And so we need to find out where the money's coming from. So my thing is always this, if it's the Lord's will, it's the Lord's bill. Yeah. So Louis calls me from San Antonio and he's having lunch with an old friend of his who had been uh, a pastor for 20 years and he became a broker and uh, he was having lunch with him. And he said, Greg, I'm, I'm here with Dave. And um, he just handed me a check for $10,000 and told me the Lord told me you're supposed to do another record. Nobody <laughs> said a word to him. And he said, what am I supposed to do? I said, take the money. <laughs> I called John Lowry and said, John, I have $10,000. She said, let's get started. And strangely enough, unsolicited, didn't ask for a penny. Then another man up in a in, uh, uh, friend up in uh, Oklahoma said, you know, what are you doing? I said, well, she said, well I got, I'll put $10,000 in. It's like, dang. It's like, so it's all the money's going to budget, you know, and we're all working for free. We get that. And then uh, John is, we're, I don't know, we've been working on it for months. And he said, Greg, this stuff's turned out so good. He said, if I could just have, you know, live orchestra, live strings on this. I said, well, and we're talking and we're spitballing. I said, well, what, what is that? What would that cost? He said, yeah, I can get the A section in Nashville for four hours for $3,500. I said, I'll get the money. I'm just, I didn't have the money. Mm. I've been in the ministry for 52 years. I don't have <laughs> I've given it all away. <laughs> if that that I had, yeah, it's gone. So anyway, the, the point is, uh, so uh, he, I said, I'll get the money. So two days later, I get a phone call from one of my apostolic coverings. And uh, uh, Dennis says, uh, hey, how's it going? I said, well, it's going okay. So uh, how's, the, how's the recording coming? So, it's okay. I'm not telling nothing. He says, you know, a friend of mine, um, you remember Tim said, yeah, you know, Tim just got an inheritance and he asked me to ask you, what could he do for the band? I said, ask him if he could write a check for $5,000. He said, I'll have it in the mail in the morning. So we knew that it wasn't over. Plus some of the stories that came out of our, our concerts. And, and I say that because when the Lord spoke to me about the prodigals, I didn't you know, it's like, I, what do, I don't get this. He said, they're out there. Many of these prodigals grew up on Petra's music. Mm. They're not connected to anything. They're out there being picked off by the enemy. 
they've been through, they've been to the, I call it the hell and back club. And he said, they're out there, go, you, this music will reach them. Mm. And so that's what we started doing. And believe it or not, they came out of the woodworks case in point. We're, uh, this is a uh, 2012. We're on our way up to new England to do a concert uh a big festival with uh, who's the big guy who's the guy that uh worship leader guy anyway chris tomlin chris tomlin was was headlining yeah. that night and and we were playing uh so anyway we're up there playing and uh way sorry i'm regressing a little on the way up there uh someone called us from uh Columbus, Ohio. And they said, Hey, we can get 800 people in this place. We'll just charge $10 a head. And so we went and had a concert in this Nazarene church on the way up, just a pickup day. I mean, it was really <laughs> two weeks out. Yeah. And so I'm talking about prodigals and ministry and give an older call. And at the end of the concert, this, this young man, I'll say young comes up and he says, I just need to let you know that I, you know, I grew up on Petra's music. And um, I have two brothers who I've been estranged to for 20 years. And I talked to his brothers in 20 years. I don't know what happened. I didn't ask. He said, we all grew up on Petro. And unbeknown to each one of us, we all came to this concert, not knowing that the other one is coming. And tonight, our family was restored. Oh, that's that's amazing. And I'm thinking... See, I don't think it gets any bigger than that. No. I, I really don't. Because, uh, and I know that, I, I mean, I've, I know it's not easy. Uh, and people go through a lot of hard times. And something about the music that puts salve on the wound, that enabled them to, to let go of the anger, let go of the bitterness, let go of the unforgiveness, which will kill you, by the way, give you cancer. Unforgiveness will give you cancer. Hmm. You mark my words. So if you're if you're watching this today, y'all, and you need to get rid of some unforgiveness, you might want to do it tonight before you go to bed. If that's so why that's why the scripture says, do not let do not go do not let the sun go down on your anger because when you're holding on to stuff, there's don't a do it. Don't do it. You know, I I I pastored in California for a couple years back in 1999. 99 and 2000 and i'm telling you it was 24 7 mm. it's it's like i have a different respect for pastors you know when we were evangelists we just blow it and blow out you know? <laughs> here you put the diapers on them we're just gonna yeah. <laughs> so but it's a different deal but uh god's good mm. uh i'm still alive been through school hard knocks suffered loss and at different times but uh I still have a, a desire to to reach the lost and to put salve on the wounds of the hurting. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, music's good at that, by the way. It is. It is. Music's good at putting wounds, salve on wounds. You, you've um, you've 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 led us into sort of the classic Petra era and 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 how things came about. One of one of the great thrills for me was uh, because I um, 
I first um, was introduced to Petra uh, once when John Schlitt was already in the band. This Means yeah. War was the first album I'd ever heard, but the second album I, I was ever I ever heard was Captured in Time and Space. So I knew very quickly that there was there been two singers, but I'd only ever heard anything from from uh, from the John Schlitt time period. One of the biggest thrills for me was when Classic Petra reformed after you recorded your initial album and then you did your initial concert your first trip as the band was down down, down here to australia and i had the opportunity Toowoomba. yeah Toowoomba, Toowoomba the Toowoomba gospel music festival and i had the opportunity to be there i drove i drove 14 hours i didn't go to the whole festival weekend i drove just to see you guys and well, you were lucky and you missed the deluge you missed the flood <laughs> I did. That's correct. Um, <laughs> but 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 for you, you you've already shared that you didn't get to come down to Australia back in eighty five the first time around. So what was that like for you? I I only as the I mean I know we've got listeners all around the world, but I'm an Aussie and I like to to get into that. But but for you coming down to Australia would have been was that your first um, first time to 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 get to come to Australia? And what was that experience like for you? Well, I I, I look at it from different things it, it's a lot different flying to australia when you're 60 years old than when you're 35 mm-hmm. it's a long trip yep. and it, it was a good trip though i mean it was it was good uh we did well uh i mean the, the guys get along i mean you know it's so i mean it's like so um I learned how to say 18, 19. Um, <laughs> I know about good day, mate. No worries, mate. And I was getting on the plane in this big 460 passenger double decker plane from Los Angeles. And I'm walking on, and the guy says, Good day, mate. No worries, mate. I'm like, Does this thing fly? So, but uh, huge, huge play there. But, but uh, we did good. Uh, it the the group who was it the cutlass or switchfoot or switchfoot there was a group that played after us every time and he said we are never going to follow you guys again <laughs> never in at the strawberry jam in albany i mean it, it they it's the day same thing we yeah. finished up deluge here we go yes. again I'm thinking well i'm thinking lord are you talking to us about this because in first the natural then the spiritual mm-hmm. you know and the rain is a type of the holy spirit yeah but those strawberries were that big <laughs> it was really a, it was a lovely trip now so we get done with that australia we fly home we're home one day and leave for finland yeah and for a seven concert tour in nine days in europe yeah and it was a kill the band tour. But the guy, we, we, <laughs> and it was like, this is, this is what, this is what. And I hear Doug Keeper say, so you want to be in a rock band? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. When, so, when, when, anyway, when you, it's, when, yeah, when you were it was here, lovely. It you, was you lovely. Guys, you guys believe. did more. You guys did more than, you know, it was okay. Look, it was, it was fantastic. It was, it was a great experience. Um, it was Easter weekend, and we've got when we're recording this podcast, it, we're, we're only a, a week and a half, couple of weeks out from from Easter. But 
you did it wasn't on the the classic petra the first classic petra album and the live concert with went with it but on that at that event and i don't know if this was something you did for the whole tour but you performed you did all over me as well and that that to me i love that song and i love the 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 message behind and i love the power of that song and 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 hearing that sung at easter uh, was was just such a great experience uh, for, for for me because you know just that that really tying into this is what Easter is all about that that blood that that Jesus has shed that covers covers us and covers the sin is is just uh, it, it's it, the gospel it, it, it is it is the gospel the mm. whole song is the gospel yes I will say this is four key changes yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I and I'll say this, yeah. You, know, you, you shared that, yeah. You, know, you were a little bit older when you when you came out here, and and I'm assuming that wasn't while you were most likely rehearsing songs, because I know you don't just do songs without preparation. But having not done that song in probably twenty, thirty years, it must have been a, yeah. You, know, you 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 managed it well. You you certainly you certainly uh, nailed it from my perspective. I'm so happy to hear that. I'm so happy. <laughs> but it, it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, and you know, we're doing it again. Yeah. I mean, it's on the CPA. Uh, it's on back to the rock too. I know that. Yeah. Well, and, mm. and after all this, not, I'm, excuse me for saying this nonsense that they put people through, yeah. which is awful. Uh, now the dates are starting to come. So, uh, we're doing four concerts in 30 days coming up in May, uh, first three weekends of May and then the first weekend of June. And so, uh, and, and I don't have an agent. We don't have an agent. I say that, um, I'm kind of the chef, the, the, the cook and the bottle washer and the yard man. I'm, I'm doing that for the band. My oldest daughter, Jonna is being very helpful to, uh, facilitate, uh, marketing and, she she's really good at that and uh she's a singer and songwriter and she's been in the wow. film industry for 16 to 45 what 30 years wow um she's a producer she knows stuff she knows stuff mm. and she's just kind of decided she's going to help you know and it's <laughs> like thank god but uh, so people are calling uh we're going out again uh doing dates we're still still sharing the love of God and the word of God in the concert through mm -hmm. the songs and in an invitation, you know, I, I just think that, and I know that God can reach people anywhere, but sometimes you just need to ask him, say, Hey, pull the trigger, man. Mm -hmm. You know, don't go any longer. Just solidify this deal. Get your name written where it's going to be there forever. That's it. That's and, um, and then we see what happens, but it's going to be interesting. God only knows. Ooh, there's a song for you. <laughs> you probably don't know that one, do you? God only knows. Yeah, that, it was a solo album that I did uh, right before Classic Petra got back together, and uh, God, yeah, and on that. Well, anyway, yeah. So it's another story. It'll be on, uh, it'll be on the list. I, I haven't I haven't I haven't heard that one yet. I've 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 heard most of your of your of your solo albums. I haven't had the chance to listen to that one yet. I'll be honest okay. about that. Um, right. uh, 
look, I, I, I don't want to um, take up too much more of your time. I'm aware time's starting to get away. Um, you, you've, um, you shared obviously you, you, that you, you, you're out and about touring. And as I shared earlier, we've got a lot of, um, we've got a lot, a lot of listeners, you know, around the world, Australia, US, Canada, yep. all that. If, if, if people are listening to this interview and they're saying, I want, I want to bring, I, I want to hear classic Petra. I want to bring classic Petra to where I am. What do they need to do? You said that you said that you guys are sort of doing this yourself. What, if someone's hearing this and going, it's put, put God's putting on their heart to, 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 to look into that sort of thing. What would, what would they need to do? Do they, do they reach, how do they reach out well, to you guys? Yeah, reach out. I mean, uh, if you go to cprband.com, cprband.com, uh, on there is a, an email and, uh, send me an email and, uh, I will probably turn it over to Jana and, and she will, she does because, you know, it's like, they don't understand what it takes to bring a band in. Mm. I mean, it's a big deal and it, it needs someone that's seasoned knows, knows what they're doing. Not just a fan. And we get a lot of, Hey, I want you to come to this city. Oh, that's great. But if they don't have a sponsor, they don't have mm. the, the backing, they don't have mm. the prayer warriors. I mean, all this stuff that makes it work. Uh, then they just have to come to the concert instead of produce the concert. But I'd say, send me an email We'd, you know, I would love to come back to Australia again. I believe it's going to open up. Uh, we would love to have in you the back very near future. Mm. It's going to open up and it would be great to come back and do uh, a really nice tour. It's a big country, you know, it really is. Um, mm. But uh, I'd like to do it right, you know, and yeah. be fun, you know, mm. It's a tough time. If, you know, people need the Lord. They need the Lord. Especially, and, uh, especially in these times. I think, I think so many people, the, the fear that has gripped the world over the last two years and people have, through, through instruction, through government insistence, there's been a lot of isolation, but I think the flow on from that is people, have remained isolated, have sort of cut themselves off from a lot of things yeah. and a lot of people. And, and yeah. in that, the community and, 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 you know, the, the fear that comes with that isolation and, and we need God to, to break through that. And we need God to, to be able to Absolutely. reach in and help people see that, that, that fear, fear doesn't, Absolutely. fear does not have a hold. There is nothing to fear. Um, Absolutely. And, um, you know, we, we, you know, it'd be, it'd be great. I'd love, I'd love uh, if, if the opportunity arose, if, if, if classic Petra, um, we're able to to come back down to Australia and and, and do a tour. It it'd be fantastic. And I and I'll tell you now, I'd be I'd I'd you let me know when and where. I'm not I'm not a concert promoter. I will acknowledge that. I'm not no, no, that, no, no. I'm not that person. But you tell me when and where. I will have my ticket. I promise you that. And um and we'd no, love to see you for yeah, sure. Love to love fantastic. to meet you. Yeah. So look um. I want to thank you very much for for the time that you've shared with us today. We, we've covered a lot of stuff. I, I, I haven't got half the questions I had on my list. We, we we either covered in in your general conversations, or we're just you know I'm just sitting here going, we I don't think we're going to deal with that today because you just you you've really I really appreciated the heart that you've shared. Your heart for for people. Your heart for 
for reaching people. And, and I really, really liked what you shared there, that the heart for the prodigal at the end there, that God has, there are people out there that God's drawing back in and, and the restoration yeah. that's come. You shared about the restoring of, of, um, of that relation, that story of relationships between those three yeah. brothers. And, and I guess, you know, you've had the opportunity to live that, that restoration of, of, of relationships with, 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 with other members of the band and, you know, being able to tour with them again and, and, and renew that would, would, would obviously, you know, God, God has restored a lot of things. And I think, you know, I'm hoping that as this, as our world opens up again, we're going to see God restore a lot, a lot of things to people as they're able to, to come out and, and hear, and hear the music of the Lord, like you said, it is God's music. He created it. It's not, yep. you know, from the it's beginning. His. And it's I, His. And and that, and that's uh, maybe that's the maybe that's where I'd like to maybe finish this off because we're now we're, we're in a, such a different world today because the church it, it's gone full. It's gone that through that one eighty. We're no longer in the praying against a, a, you know a, a band like Petra to to now the church really the, the pushing of, you know, this music is, you know, we live in a day and age now where all these different styles of music are accepted as this oh, is yeah. God's creation and God's thing. How does that, how does that, how do you find that now? Is that, I mean, obviously the blessing and the, and the warmth that it's got to bring, is it, do you, how do you, how does that, how is that for you to, to now be in that in age where, you know, man, we're, we're getting out there and, and everyone's behind us. Well, uh, the forerunners always take the hits, mm. you know, and they pave a way for others, which now Christian music has just gone every style, every mm. genre. And I don't think anybody now. Th the point is, you get to like what kind of music you like. Mm. If you like uh, Southern gospel, fine. I mean, I love praise and worship. I've written a lot of praise and worship myself. Uh I, that's my heart, but yet I like the, um, uh, the emotional excitement of rocking the house mm. and, uh, and the dynamics, the dynamics of music and, and that coupled with the spirit. So to me, I, I, I mean, I've talked to guys who said, Oh man, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing if you guys didn't take all those arrows and I thought, you know, they would have killed us. I thought, well, I don't know how we did it. The truth is, you know, we really should have been buried and put away and said, well, oh, no, that'll never, you know, that'll never play. Oh, that'll never happen. No, it really. So, I mean, you have to be open and you, you know, you judge it by the, the, the spirit and the content, of mm. course. And uh, I say, God bless them all. I'm glad we were able to, to forge a, a road for a lot of these ministries that today are very valid and reaching mm. people we could never reach. Mm. And that's Absolutely. the diversity of what God does. He, mm. He's not a respecter of persons. He doesn't respect the style of music. He just wants it to be from the heart mm. and genuinely sincere. Absolutely. And uh, so I'm, I'm in on that. So yeah. God and, bless and you, friend. And and as you as you said, you know, the fruit of the ministry is is what God is looking for. And and you've already shared there's so many people around the world who who were impacted by 
the ministry of both Petra and yourself in 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 the solo work that you've done and 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 the opportunities you've had to speak and share into people's lives. We know of of pastors around the world who grew up or came to faith hearing Petra and they're now ministering the lives of people. And so that's that's the ongoing fruit of those early those early ministry days of Petra and and a time that you were you were a part of. And we we thank you for that. We thank you for the time that you've you've taken with us today. I pray that God continues to bless uh, not just the ministry of, of of ongoing ministry of of Petra that you're involved in, but your 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 ministry and your involvement in, in with your family and, and 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 your church and all that. I pray that God continues to bless you, and we look forward to hearing more and more stories of how God has continued to use you because. It's not just music. It's not a factor. Age is not a factor. It doesn't matter how old we are. God continues to use us if we're available and we're open and, and you continue yeah. to be that. So we, we thank you for your time, Greg, and um, we pray that God continues to, to just use you until the day he, he calls us to be with him. So right. thank you again. I'm good with that. God bless you, friend. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.